Hello and welcome to season two, episode 13 of Dualist Community. I will be the universe, as always, experiencing itself, but playing the part of Andrew today. And I will continue to be the wave expressed in a drop, calling itself rain. All of that sounds wonderful and metaphysical and mystical. And at the end of the day, because of these conversations, it's really not. It really just becomes fairly clear that what we're talking about is the whole and the part of the whole not being divided. And I, I really enjoy how applicable that conversation can be to everything in our lives. We were talking in the last episode about your recent experience with the, the Hare Krishna um, Society and just the fact that you were able to resonate with their message regardless of the fact that you didn't share their beliefs, regardless of the fact that you didn't practice the same things that they practiced. And that's one of the things I, I genuinely love about this podcast and this conversation. I want to mention quickly to everybody who's listening that uh, Andrew and I actually had the opportunity to appear on the Causing the Effect podcast with our old friend, Scott. He was a uh, roundtable guest a little while ago. We talked for about an hour and a half. It was very insightful, a lot of fun, totally effortless, of course. Um, we definitely recommend that you go over and check that out um, whenever that you can. You'll find it on Spotify and Apple Music and whatnot. Uh, we do have a couple more announcements, and we'll just work through those. But I'll pass this off to Andrew first. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting how, uh, with the Hare Krishnas especially, how it's just there wasn't. I didn't know anything about them, right? It's like, there, I didn't know. I figured there was some sort of belief going on in the background there, but given the monk aspect of it and like the robes, I figured, you know, they would they would certainly resonate with the recognition that I am you and you are me. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's, it's fun to be within it to the point that we don't, Sometimes people get so caught up with the non-duality message that it gets lost in the message and they lose the experience and the recognition that while it changes everything, it also doesn't change anything. And all it does really is change how you define yourself, but it really doesn't change the experience itself and the experience of duality and the observer and the observed. So anyway. With that being said, we'll get more into this stuff, but yeah, a few more announcements. So with the uh, social anxiety workshops, we do have part of it that we're going to be offering to people for free if they do create a video where they go out and film themselves, similar to a lot of my videos, how they just, you know, walking around a public area. It doesn't have to be anything super extravagant. I do have a video I'm going to make at some point soon where it may be a little bit more extravagant, doesn't have to go that far. But with this, it's basically just going into any public area outdoors with even just a few other people around and say something along the lines of this is me conquering my social anxiety and hashtag dualistic unity, hashtag social anxiety or just dualistic unity. Just make sure you hashtag dualistic unity and mention us at us so we make sure we can see the video and we will send you over a free copy of our social anxiety workshop that we filmed when was that four months ago october yeah. october i yeah. believe now for anybody who's listening to this who thinks to themselves well i can't do that right now i don't feel confident enough to make that step quite yet um i encourage you to listen to the rest of this uh episode because about halfway through we're going to be giving away about 20 copies of that social anxiety workshop to the first 20 people who can go and download them. We'll give you a coupon code uh, halfway through this conversation. So that's another option as well. We're gonna try and do that a little bit more regularly, but 
if there are none left, when you go to the store, just pop off a video saying, this is me working on my social anxiety. doesn't matter where it is. could be in front of anybody. And we will definitely come and contact you and see what we can do to help you along with that journey. Uh, aside from that, I want to mention very quickly, Andrew was out and about this weekend with one of our supporters and friends of the show. Uh, they went out and dropped off some more stickers that Andrew and I had created recently. We talked about that in the last episode. And of course, we've been discussing it in depth on our Patreon page. So if you're curious about those stickers, definitely join us on Patreon. I'm going to throw up an image here later on uh, for anybody who's watching on YouTube of, the, uh, of Andrew and our supporter putting up stickers. It made me emotional. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's really nice that after 20 years of being on this path of people calling me crazy and running from me and, and judging me for being, you know, as authentic as I can be. And, and to tell myself that if it's just me making the ripple, that's enough. If it's just me, that's enough. After years of there being evidence that it wasn't, it wasn't going to catch on anytime soon. And here I am 20 years later talking to two people who have never met prior, who are having a conversation that's changing their lives. And they're walking around one of the largest cities in the world, putting up stickers with my name on it. And it just made me laugh because, again, looking back at, at 20 years ago when I made that, that one handout, the answer is simple, that you're a success and that you're the product of several billion years of evolution. That's all you need to do. It's just so interesting to see things go full circle. And so I wanted to say thank you to Andrew. I wanted to say thank you to Sophie and Daisy, who I know are listening. And I just wanted to say, Andrew, how did it feel to be going around putting up little ripple makers? Yeah, it was awesome. I've been doing it on a few of my walks, but it was really fun to meet Sophie and Daisy who are on our discord. Sophie's on Patreon and, you know, we've had conversations with her in, you know, situations like this via zoom and whatnot. And, and just to be able to meet in person, we were actually, we had awesome conversations the whole time. It was a lot of fun. Their friend Lexi, who they actually got interested in the podcast joined us as well she lives in new york also so they were they were just like ripping questions into me and and pointing things out like the bird and walking in front of us and they're like wait so you think that's you i was like i know it is because i'm not what i think i am and once you once you get past that sort of identity of what you think you are and i was thinking about that today that all the only difference between waking up and you know, I don't, I don't even want to say like not waking up. Cause it's not even like that. Everyone's, everyone's awake. It's just whether you know it or not, I guess is a better way to say it. But the difference, the only real difference is how you define yourself. And you go from defining yourself as what you think you are, what you think you've always been, the ideas you've been told, the story you've been told, the story you tell yourself to recognizing that it's not that you're something else. You're just none of those things. And so beyond that limited perception of yourself, there are no bounds to that identity anymore. And how you define yourself is existence. What is the experience, which is everything because there are no bounds. There is no limit to what is in that. You're not limited to the skin of this human that you've always thought that you were. So that's all it was. And, and we had an awesome conversation just, and part of it was just about how, fun it is to interact in person with people and it was fun seeing sophie and all of her energy and and it was funny because some of her videos now make sense about how she said before you know walking through new york why is it so weird to like go up to someone and talk to them and she she didn't literally do that 
to anyone that we walked by because we were all talking together. So she had people to talk to, but I could totally see her doing that and just having no issue with it. And we all were kind of in that sort of energetic vibration in just not a care in the world about anything happening outside of the conversation that we were having. So it was just a really fun time. We walked around for about two hours, put up probably 40 stickers all around some of the busiest parts of Manhattan. So it was, it was just a lot of fun. And I look forward to meeting many more of you in the future, in the years to come, potentially at some retreats or other in-person events, but we shall see. Yeah, and with all of that in mind, actually, I just wanted to mention quickly to anybody who hasn't been keeping track, um, Andrew and I have actually never met, despite how often we do this podcast and how often we speak and how natural our conversation tends to be. We've actually never met. We've never been in the same room at the same time because he lives in New York and I live on Vancouver Island on the other side of the continent. That is going to be happening soon. We're very excited about this. I'm not going to say when. You're going to have to join us on Patreon to find out when. But it is in the works. It's coming. The place is all set up. We know what we're going to do and for how long it's going to happen. And we would love for you to be a part of that. We'd love for you to join us during the live stream that we're going to hold while we're doing that. And, of course, to get all the -the behind-the-scenes footage of that event as well. And it's not going to be the only time we're going to get together, but this is the first time. So it's just going to be Andrew and I. And then afterwards, we're going to start planning retreats and planning more opportunities to get more of us together to have these conversations and have experiences like Andrew just did over the weekend. Um, I did want to mention quickly that anybody who's listening, if you haven't joined us on Discord yet, and you are looking for people in this mindset, people who are talking about this and having this conversation, go to our website, click on community, join us on Discord reach out. You may actually find some people in your city or in your area who do want to meet and do want to have this conversation exactly like Andrew did. It's the perfect place to do that. Yeah, it was actually, I spent a decent amount of time today. Just, it's fun because I can just read through Discord and we don't even have to like jump in very much. Like it's like a very self-sufficient community that is helping itself, myself helping myself. And it's very cool to see that. So I I direct everyone who comes to me and says, you know, I can't, you know, there's no one I can talk to about this stuff. Like this is the only conversation I've ever seen this happening, like through dual community podcast. I'm like, go to, go to our discord. You'll, you'll get plenty of that conversation there. And whatever question you have, whatever thing that you're going through, someone I guarantee has gone through the same exact, if not the same exact, something so similar that it might as well be the same exact situation. And I think that's a part of our humanity that people don't recognize enough that we are, while we seem, and many of us seem so different on the surface, like the things we go through, the things we struggle with are not very different at all. And there's so many things in my life that I thought I was the only one going through it, the only one feeling it. When I started to realize that I wasn't, all of a sudden these sorts of weights got lifted off of me. And all these people that I looked up to, I realized some of them are open about it, which is awesome and I think super important. But some people aren't super open about it. And they think that being open about that is going to make them feel or people think less of them. And it's so far the opposite that I can't even express the degree of that. Like there's so much strength in vulnerability and authenticity and being open because you know that there's nothing that can take away from what you are and hinder what you are and make you anything less, no matter how vulnerable 
and open and, you know, authentic you, you get. So it, it's a very important aspect of, of our humanity. And I feel like I'm seeing it more and more. I think, honestly, I think TikTok is doing a better job of allowing people to express that than a lot of other social media platforms. It's not as much the perfectionist make my life look perfect mindset. It's much more like, this is my life, take it or leave it. And so it's really cool to see that. And I'm looking forward to more people just expressing that vulnerability. Absolutely. Yeah. TikTok right now, I mean, it's starting to change, but it reminds me a lot of what YouTube used to be back in 2005-ish when I had my YouTube channel. Um, and for anybody listening, I encourage you, if you follow us on social media, on TikTok or on uh, Instagram, check out some of my videos from 2005. I had a lot more hair back then and I, I, I spoke with a different tone and a different intensity, but the insights that we're talking about here were largely the same as the insights I was talking back about back then. The only difference being how intensely involved I was getting for my own reasons rather than for the sake of being involved. I was trying to save the world rather than be the world. And so that that's just kind of an example, but that is where TikTok is at right now, where people just go on, they express themselves. The production value isn't necessarily the most important part, though that's starting to change a little bit. But the algorithm I find is work is working really well for drawing people together based on their interests. That's not something I find that Instagram does as well or that uh, YouTube does as well. I don't know why, but it's, it just isn't. So at the moment, I would say, take advantage of that on TikTok as often as you can. Just get on there and express yourself. And if you're wondering, how do I do that? That's the first thing to stop wondering. Don't worry about the how, just do it. It could be a video of you just going on the screen and making a funny noise and then shutting it off and saying, oh shit. <laughs> and that's it and post that. And it'll probably go viral just because that's how TikTok goes, right? And so it is interesting that we go through all of this in life and, and, and the nice thing about TikTok and YouTube and, and people just expressing their journeys is that while we do notice that they're very different journeys, there are those similarities. There are those undercurrents, those insights that we all share, those, those uh, hardships that we all kind of go through. And with that in mind, I actually, I wanted to bring up a conversation that was happening on Discord a little while ago. Uh, it happens quite frequently, but it's when we're going through parts of our life and we feel like we're making progress, we feel like we're, we're changing, we're, we're doing insightful things, we're having transformative experiences. And then all of a sudden, it's like all of that just goes away and we have this, this period, sometimes months, sometimes longer, where it's like we're almost in a funk. Like we don't have the energy to go out and do things. We don't feel like we're being necessarily as insightful as we were previously. We don't feel as motivated. And somebody was expressing this. And I wanted to talk about this quickly because often when we're changing, that change is easy to monitor on the superficial level. When we're being insightful, when we're being motivated, we can see the change. When we're not feeling very energetic, when we're not feeling very motivated or insightful, we tend to assume it's because we're not changing. But the truth is, is that we've already been changing. The change is already happening, but it's happening on a deeper level. It's happening closer to the core of who, of who we see ourselves to be, of the relationship we see ourselves to have with reality as a whole. And so that's why it feels like nothing's changing. It's because they're deep changes. And my, my experience with that is to enjoy the lull. And that is the best way I can put it because before you know it, life is gonna come along. It's gonna throw you into conflict again. You're gonna have another experience that's gonna take your comfort away and you're gonna find yourself being insightful and motivated and energetic again because of the confusion that you have to work yourself through because of the chaos. But all of the work that's happening inside you right now is what's preparing you for that. 
So I just wanted to talk about that quickly. And some, something that I know I've experienced many times over my 40 some odd years. And Andrew, for yourself, how do you find you get through that now? Yeah, it's so funny how aligned some of these things we talk about are because I, I just I made a video just now uh, on my walk like an hour ago talking about how nothing is ever wrong and nothing you ever feel is wrong. So I it was interesting. Um, I have right now for work, I it's it's a little bit quieter for me. I'm just on these two different projects. One of them's like these trainings I have to give like every two weeks. Uh, and another is just like this campaign audit thing. I won't bore you with the details, but um, one of them, the first training I have to give is this Thursday. And it's like a pretty long training. It's like two or three hours. So, but it's on platforms that I know super well, but even still, that's something that I always, it was a big thing that I struggled with when I was younger. And even within the last few years, like giving presentations, putting myself out there, like public speaking type stuff. So there's always a feeling. And even though I'm not like the, the feelings I have towards it are nowhere near what I used to feel because, and especially because I just talk so much now, there's much more of a comfortability, but there's still always like a little bit of something in there, a little bit of discomfort, a little, little bit of fear or nervousness or whatever. And so today I was going through and because I don't have too much going on these days at work, I, I'm able to just like put in a couple hours and, and work on the slides and then like run through them real quick, just talk through them to myself to make sure I can like speak through them. They actually make sense instead of just like, you know, having the slides built. And so I ran through them today and like I can get through them very well. I know the platform super well. And I was still just had this feeling of unease. And part of me is like, why are you feeling nervous? Like you, there's no reason to feel nervous. Like you do shit like this all the time. You've done, you know, workshops, you do podcasts every week, you do uh, interviews, whatever. And they always go totally fine. So like part of me is like, this is so dumb that you're feeling nervous. But then another part of me is like, it's totally okay that you're feeling nervous. Like that is whether you should or shouldn't, it doesn't matter. That is the feeling that you have in your gut right now. So there isn't anything wrong with that. And just that recognition that there isn't anything wrong with what you're feeling inside of you helps it kind of go away. The thing that keeps it around is the thought that there is something wrong. And the only thing about it that is wrong is you thinking that it's wrong. Like it is what it is. That is your reality. So I was thinking of, I actually recently just made a video about this, that whatever you're feeling right now, there is nothing wrong. So bring it back to what Ray was talking about. If you're going through a lull or sort of like a period where you just don't have the energy to do things, you're just not feeling as great. Most of the time, those feelings are exacerbated because we think of it as as being wrong. We think we shouldn't be feeling this way. We think this is, there is a, a right way to feel and this is not it, but that's not true. There isn't a right or a wrong way to feel. There is just what you're feeling right now and whatever that is, is okay. And that's sort of, that sort of acceptance of the feeling that you're feeling, because that is what you're feeling in the moment. And the moment is your reality. That's all you're ever experiencing. So the acceptance of that is that sort of path. It is the the key to peace and, and feeling at peace with reality because right now is all there ever is and all you've ever experienced. So thinking that right 
that there is something wrong with right now is thinking that there's something wrong with reality. And there's never anything wrong with reality, but because we have identity layered on top of it, we kind of filter it through thinking like, oh, we know what is wrong and what is right, but nothing is ever wrong except for thinking that something is wrong. So anyway, that's that's uh, my little spiel on that. But it's so funny how it was literally something I went through today. And it was that exact thing that whatever I'm feeling in the moment, there's nothing wrong with that. And with that, those feelings just like settle so much more quickly as opposed to thinking like, Ooh, I got to figure out, you know, how to get rid of it. And it's like, no, you never have to figure out how to get rid of it. All you have to do is recognize that there's nothing wrong with it. And then it just kind of like becomes an okay thing. All of a sudden there isn't anything wrong with the feeling. So then you don't mind feeling it. It's like so interesting how it works like that. When you come back to the reality, right? This is what is, and what am I going to do with it? And that's pretty much it. But it's so easy for us when we feel like we sh- that we're feeling something that we shouldn't be feeling or that we're feeling something that is inspired by something outside of us, that our discomfort, our unhappiness is caused by something else. It becomes impossible to accept what is and, and, and take responsibility for our response to it because, of course, we're, we're victims, right? And one of the most uh, common examples of that I see is people's relationship to social media how we will vilify social media as a, bri- a brainwashing device, as, as something that's you know, draining our intelligence and sucking the attention out of us. There's no responsibility in that. The fact is, is that we're the ones putting the attention into social media. We're the ones that are scrolling endlessly, right? And if that isn't an example of our relationship with our consciousness, nothing is. Because I find social media to be an excellent opportunity to practice thought curation. What do I find important? What do I not find important? So when I'm scrolling, it's a perfect example. Nope, don't want to see that. Nope, nope. And, and I decide what it is I want to focus on while I'm on social media. Now, I also have to take accountability for when I'm on social, social media too much. And that is defined by me. It's not too much because it's bad for me, but it's too much because it's cutting into the attention I could be putting into something else, which is where I find my balance, right? So social media isn't the villain. Yeah, of course, it's, it's made by people who are going to try and make money, who are going to try and use your attention to continue to, to uh, please their advertisers. Sure, that's just the nature of the beast. But because it's designed that way, it doesn't mean that that's how we have to use it. Right. So there's nothing wrong with social media so much as our tendency to vilify social media and not take responsibility for our actions. Yeah, it's almost like you can just start seeing it like everything as an opportunity. And it's just an extension of our awareness. And it's funny how everything is so like as above, so below, and everything is is an opportunity to see our relationship with reality. And like Ray was just explaining when he's on TikTok, it's like kind of like intrusive thoughts. It's the same type of thing. They're always going to be there. Your, your mind is a machine. That's always going to be churning thoughts. Just like TikTok is a, is a machine. That's always going to have a video. You're never going to like scroll to like the end of TikTok. It's like essentially infinite, just like your mind is an infinite machine of thoughts, but like you don't have to settle. Like if you settle on a video and like that locks your attention in, then that's kind of like resisting an intrusive thought in a way, like you're giving that attention. And all of a sudden you're like, if, if you had just kept scrolling, you wouldn't have even 
noticed it. And all of a sudden there's another thought there or like another video. So it's so funny how inter interconnected those are. And really it's just an opportunity for you to, it's just another sort of practice. It's, it's like a weird convoluted, like meditative practice in the recognition that it is there for you. It could suck up your attention. You could spend 10 hours probably scrolling on it and, and probably find decent bit of entertainment, but there's going to be a consequence to that. Just like with all things, there are consequences. There is no right or wrong thing about scrolling on TikTok for 10 hours. It's not wrong, but there are consequences to it. And so how you perceive that, you may label it as wrong if you want, like you're free to do that too, if you want, but the truth is that it isn't wrong, but there are consequences to it. It is a neutral event that has consequences, just like all things. So being able to recognize that there is the opportunity to do that and not go on it or, you know, take measures like put your phone in the other room. I have to do that all the time. I put on airplane mode and like throw it in the other room. Cause I'm like, fuck, I I'm like locked in and I'm just like, Nope, turn it off. Just like chuck it behind me. And, and then it's like, I'm can have the opportunity to, you know, work on whatever I want to work on. But it's interesting when you, when we stop. Yeah. Cause there's so little responsibility in that when we just blame everything else. And it's like, it always comes back to you and you have the opportunity to label something however you like, but it doesn't change the fact that you are responsible for your response to what is happening in your environment and what is happening to you or what has happened to you. That's all you ever have is your response to what is happening yeah regardless right and that's it's funny because we were talking a little while ago um about the foundation of my relationship with my wife and how it's always been it has to be for today we can't be in a relationship for being happy 10 years from now or we can't be in a relationship based on on promising to be together 20 years down the road it has to be for today and in that mentality every argument every disagreement Every conflict that happens today needs to be addressed today. And in order to address it, I have to be responsible. I have to accept what is, and I have to to deal with it in awareness. Because as we said, if today is not enough, it never will be. And that goes for everything. That goes for everything we experience in a day. If you think about it, your experience from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, is your palette of colors to learn from and express yourself in that day. The entire experience of your day is all the lessons that you want to learn about yourself. They're all in those experiences if you have the willingness to look. Because today is enough. Today is enough for you to find your peace, to find your freedom, to recognize that you've always been free. Today has everything you need if you make it about today. And that, that, mentality changes so much because it means that today has to be enough right which is very much what we've talked about before in terms of remembering we're going to die someday might be tomorrow could be five minutes from now in which case this moment has to be enough i was going to say even even cutting it down to you know this this experience this immediate experience that we're having and because we get so caught up in the future. And it's like, there's nothing ever wrong with preparing for the future also. And so many people love to 
to dispute the whole like right now is the only thing there ever is with like, oh, well, I just sold my house and left my family and kids because right now is all there is. And now I'm homeless. Thanks a lot. It's like, oh, God, there's a lot of foisting of responsibility in that one right there. Holy shit. But just because the fact is that right now is the only thing you ever experienced doesn't mean we have to like, what is, what is the phrase? Like cut off your nose to spite your face for planning for the future. Like you can still do that. And when you plan, you do it now. When the future happens, it is now. It is never not right now. Nothing you have ever experienced hasn't been right now. So it's, it's like all things, not black and white, it's a gray area. It's about finding the balance that works for you. But so many of us get so caught up in planning for the future and kind of creating this need for the future to go a certain way. And that that is rooted in expectation. And through that expectation, there's the grand opportunity and, and likely happening of disappointment. And because as we have talked about so many times, when, when an expectation or a want is something you rely on to feel value from and gain value from, it's no longer a want. It's no longer just, you know, a little expectation. It's a need. It's something you need to happen because you think your value is based off of you accomplishing that thing or you getting that thing or you having that thing. So when you don't attach to that and recognize that like it always comes back to right now you are whole and complete you don't need anything else outside of what you are what you have your experience here and now to be more complete so once you recognize that all you have to do is recognize that and then from there you know want whatever you want try to get things set goals do all those things because you know that there is no external value or thing that is going to come of it that's going to make you more valuable because of it. And then all of a sudden, those wants don't turn into needs. But as long as you don't feel complete now and you feel like you need to get that, those wants will always be needs because that is how you are deriving your value. And you need those things in order or you feel like you need those things in order to feel whole and complete and become whole and complete. But you always have been and you always will be. So just remember that and then do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. And remember that words are just words. And I know I've had this conversation with people because nobody who is operating out of self-definition wants to admit that they're insecure because that's a real hit to the ego, right? Like to be self-honest in that way is the very first step to getting past that addiction, right? It is the very first step to getting beyond that need to self-define, that need to try and feel more secure, that need to feel uh, more certain and be able to judge yourself in terms of value according to your assumptions of everybody else. And, and that's, that's it, is that at some point you have to exercise self-honesty and just recognize, I am being manipulative. I'm being manipulative because I don't feel like I'm whole. Right? I'm lying to people because I don't feel like I'm whole, right? I'm lying to myself because I don't feel like I'm whole. And to do that, you have to recognize there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with the fact that that's where you are right now. You got there through a very long journey. And now that you've recognized it, it can change. That's the beautiful part about this is that you don't have to beat yourself up for having beat yourself up up until now. You've done that enough. 
Now you're here. You've learned everything you need to, to get here. And this is where you let go of that prison because you can. You can just remember that you are not what you think you are. The more you remember you're not what you think you are, the more you start to find out what you're capable of. And that's when you start to experience freedom. That's when you start to experience empathy and you start to recognize how many people are suffering simply because of the prison that they are continuing to create moment to moment, thinking that it's helping them. And I just wanted to take a moment here because we've had a lot of new people join us on the podcast recently, but because they have just recently found us and they're finding us on Apple Music or on Spotify or on Google Podcasts, they're coming in at our most recent episodes, which is great. I'm glad that they're here. But if you are finding any of the content that we are talking about or any of the conversation that we're having a bit on the deep end, or you'd like more of a scaffolding, a structure underneath this that, that it's built upon, I, I highly recommend going back to season one. Season one of this podcast from the first episode onward built the, the underlying structure for the concepts that we continue to talk about in this season and the seasons going forward. So I just wanted to mention that quickly because I've had quite a few messages from new followers and new audience members recently just asking questions that we very much covered in the first three episodes of season one. So if you're curious about God and existence and our role within all of that, that's definitely where I recommend you going. Yeah, it's funny. I actually re-listened to episode one, season one, episode one today, because I realized we didn't we don't have timestamps for like the first i don't know five or six so i was like all right because people everyone starts on episode one i'm definitely going to get them in for episode one so i got those i solved adam but i got those in i might just repost it on my instagram and just say like hey if you haven't checked this out like start here because yeah it's so funny how how many things that i have been able to articulately explain or express more clearly now that I couldn't even understand back then, back in September. And at the same time, there were some things where I was like, oh, wow, I was I, I was kind of clear on that part. And so that was kind of interesting, too. But one thing that I, I feel like it's just an iconic dualistic unity moment when I ask, like, well, how can we be the same thing if, you know, I wave my hand? right now and and you know you didn't wave my hand and your response immediately is well oddly enough i just did and i still even after you said that i was like what the fuck is this dude talking i still didn't get it and it's because i was still defining us as what i thought you were i was still defining you as ray and i was still defining me even though i would say like the awareness of andrew it's still like this egotistical separate thing that is aware of only Andrew. And it's, it's through the recognition that you are not what you think you are. And it's, it comes back to how you define yourself is how you see everything else. And that, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, that's like the main differentiator in it is just how you define yourself. How do you define yourself? Do you define yourself based on your accomplishments, your past, the, the thoughts that you think you are, what people tell you that you are, your name, you know, your bodily organs and whatnot or do you recognize that you are none of those things that you are this deeper awareness of everything with no label and identity and and anything that has always been because it, it starts with that and i think that is the first recognition and once you can recognize that you are nothing that you think you are you can kind of get to a point that 
you recognize that, oh, if I'm nothing that I think I am, no one else is anything that I think they are. And then what's left is just right now, the, the awareness, the experience that we're having here and now. And that experience is the same across the entire universe, across all of existence. It is, we are experiencing, I am experiencing the same moment across everything right now. It's the same moment happening across the entire universe, all the other universes, all of existence right now. And that is the shared, that is the connection across everything. And it's the same moment across everything. And I think there's just so many things that dilute that understanding, be it time or you know, identity or the perception of, of space, there being separation and in space and so many things that we just sort of like, don't really question. We just take it for face value and think, oh, that's, you know, that's the way it is. That's how things are. Everyone else is defining themselves. Everyone else is building their sandcastle. So I guess I'm going to define myself based on my sandcastle as well. And that references into one of my more recent TikTok videos. We haven't seen that just an analogy about how identity is like a sandcastle and everyone's building their sandcastle and, and comparing their sandcastle. And the recognition is just that you don't have to build a fucking sandcastle. You can just go play at the beach. You don't have to keep defending your sandcastle. You can just leave it be and let people do whatever the fuck they want with it. And go have a have a great day in the sun on the beach um but yeah so it was uh it was cool listening back to that episode today um yeah it's surreal right like it was september of last year so it's been like eight months seven months something like that and it's just so funny because again time which doesn't mean anything and is largely influenced by our capacity to be in the moment. Um, it seems like it's been a decade since I met you, man. Like <laughs> there's been so much change that's happened in between. Uh, but it's interesting because what you were just saying about how everything that is experiencing is always experiencing now. It's now the entire universe right now is one experience in different variations, which I always find really interesting. Like when we look at the typical diagram of like the evolution of a human being, for example, so we see, you know, the molecular and then moves up to like fish and then moves up to walking fish and it moves up to like mammals and so on and so forth. And you see that whole progression, right? Well, what's interesting is we look at that and we go that being to that being to that being to that being. But what you're seeing is actually the spectrum of awareness from one experience to the other, all of which are happening now. <laughs> right. All of those experiences are happening now within awareness. All of those beings our awareness now, but with a slightly different relationship between the observer and the observed, right? In terms of cellular, it's a very basic relationship. In terms of mammalian, it's a very different relationship where you start getting families and groups and stuff like that. But there are there are realities where we are only aware of ourselves in terms of a feeling that we're disconnected, right? And would, I, I guess you could look at uh, the existence of a fetus. If you want an example of that, right? It's not like it has eyeballs or anything. It just feels reality. It's just aware of itself and a division, Right. And then you have much more complex perceptions of separation where we have fur and eyeballs or we use language or or writing or any of these things, which are even farther extracts from that. Right. So it's just so interesting because regardless of the experience between the observer and the observed, it's always the same awareness of ourself that's experiencing it. And it's only ever now, ever it's only ever now. It doesn't matter when you're experiencing it. And so we have this tendency of separating things into different species, different parts, different times, different places, because it makes it easier for us to do, right? Otherwise, it'd be very difficult for us to go, well, I think 
the other part of me is over that way. It's like, which way? Uh, we need things like east, west, north, south. We need names like continents and streets and, and people and things like that. Like Those are meant for convenience. And then we tend to disregard the convenience factor and we go, no, no, the label is the thing. And that's where we get all confused. I mean, that's why, why children don't sit under trees marveling at them for very long, because very quickly we teach them, that's a tree. And it looks like this. Let me draw you a very simple you know, version of a tree. That's a tree, right? And so we don't question it anymore. But if you ever sit under a tree for a very long period of time and stop assuming that you know what the tree is, what it's doing, or its role within reality, there's so much to learn from that tree. Yeah, it really is crazy how we just put things, like everything, into a box and just package it up and, you know, clean our hands. And we're like, all right, I know what that is. I can, I can move on and I can move on to the, this next thing and this next thing and next thing and next thing. And before we know it, we've done all these things, been so focused on the future and the next step. And we've, you know, missed our entire life. And, and someone, someone asked me, uh, I did a Q and a on Instagram this weekend and someone asked me about manifesting. And so I went on a little spiel about manifesting. And then the last thing I said about it was that you can't want and fully experience the here and now simultaneously. And our life is only ever happening here and now. And yet so many of us get so caught up in wanting. And we think of it sometimes a lot of people think like, oh, well, I only want once in a while. And it's like, if you actually were aware of how often you were wanting something that isn't what you are experiencing right now, you would recognize that that is probably the vast majority of many people's existence and wants come in different forms. You know, it could be wanting a physical object, could be wanting a relationship, could be wanting love, could be wanting, you know, more confidence, or it could just be wanting to not be experiencing what you have in front of you, which is, I guess, kind of the same thing, just depends on your perspective of it. But we really spend so much of our time wanting something that we're not experiencing right now. And if you spend your entire life, whether it's you know manifesting or wanting, which is essentially the same thing, you'll miss your whole life. And yes, you're you're there for it, you know, while you're wanting, you're present in the wanting, but like cerebrally, you know, mentally, you're not really there. There is a different type of feeling when you are caught up in wanting and and desiring something that isn't what you are experiencing. So once you recognize that that is it, like every single moment here and now is it, like that is experience. There is no heaven to long for at the end of the road. There is no thing that you will manifest, the perfect thing you'll manifest in order to become perfectly whole and complete. It all comes back to your experience now. And that is all any guru or spiritual teacher was ever, ever recognized was just that right now is it. It's all there is. It's all you are. You are all as the present, you know, and, and but it's, it's, it's not something our ego or mind can really grasp onto because it's not something that can be solved for like it's always looking for solutions for problems so it always needs a problem to solve and that's why we're always thinking of things as problems and thinking things are wrong because 
there it need there needs to be something that can be solved because something must be wrong and so it almost looks for things that are wrong and and there's an initial discomfort in a way when when we recognize that nothing is wrong and there's like a resistance to that recognition almost as free as it is because it's not freeing for our ego it's it's that's what you know not you know, kills the ego, but just allows us to recognize that it's not what we are, because that is how it gets its fuel is from, you know, thinking about the past and the future, it, it can't really exist in the moment, because that is just something that can be experienced. So there is no thought in that. But it's just fascinating how many of us, and myself included, I get caught up in it, just like live our lives for the next thing, getting the next thing that we want, getting the next desire. And, and it, once we achieve it, it's like, okay, makes us feel good for a little bit, but you know, now what, I just got to start wanting something else. <laughs> and we can never, we can never truly achieve it. That's the thing. Like you can chase desire your entire existence. You can chase desire for people's approval and that will eventually turn into a desire for money and a desire for control. And that will turn into a desire to live in certain places and, and, eventually what you'll end up with a desire for is to meet God, or you'll end up with a desire to, to achieve enlightenment or any of that. And it's always just ongoing, except that the carrot gets bigger and shinier as we go. And, and it's because our existence is based on the illusionary split between the observer and the observed, right? Our experience is based on us not being what we observe. And because of that experience, we always lack we're always, we're always incomplete because we are split between the observer and the observed. And so even identifying as a human being will not get rid of that lack because we're human in the world, right? And because of that, we're still separate, right? There are still fears. There are still things that we have to run from. Whereas as you let go of your idea of yourself, as you let go of even human, biological, any of it, they're all ideas, they're all concepts, they're all labels. What you start to recognize is that you are reality itself, your reality. It's not that you're in reality, you are reality. What you are experiencing within yourself and the environment that you are perceiving to be around you is all within your experience. It's all happening in your awareness because your awareness is reality. So identifying immediately causes lack. Whereas when you just surrender to what you are, you're whole, like you've always been. You are always whole. It was just the commitment to the idea of yourself that reinforced that feeling of lack. And it's such a catch 22 because you're like, oh, well, how am I doing that? I just did it again. Because you can't analyze yourself into freedom. You have to surrender. You have to let go. Yeah, oh man. There's so, yeah, there's just so much freedom in that recognition and something I've been thinking about more, or at least today and, and yesterday a little bit was that I, I think, I think we talked about it in an episode once, maybe it was today as I was listening to it was the idea that there's no way for me to prove that this isn't my dream and it essentially is, and there isn't any difference between this being my dream and this not being my dream. And there's no way to prove otherwise. So it's almost like, it's like one of those things that some people will be like, oh, well then it's not worth, you know, contemplating, but it's like, 
I mean, it might be for a little bit, at least to recognize that this is all you and there is no separation because that recognition that it's all you and the recognition that there is no separation are the same recognition, essentially, right? If, if it's all you, then it's all, then you're all of it and there is no separation or if any everyone else is the same awareness that you are then you as the awareness are everyone and it's like no matter how you want to spin it it's all the same recognition that there is no separation but it's so <laughs> ah it's just so fucking nuts that that there is no way to prove this isn't my dream and we just write that off so quickly and we write off dreams so quickly and Who's to even say that my dreams aren't the reality and this is the dream or vice versa, or they're just all reality. And like, why, why do we get so caught up in thinking that this is the reality? And I mean, regardless, it's, it leads to us taking it so damn seriously and everything so seriously. And just like, taking ourselves so seriously and everything we do, we, there's judgment that comes along with it. And it's like, yo, you know, take a, take a deep breath. This is all, it's all a dream. It's all a ride. And uh, people just write that off so quickly. And it's so crazy. And I know, you know, Ray has a lot more experience with that having, you know, gone through and, and recognizing all of this for, 20 years now and and just going back to what he was you were talking about earlier with uh me and sophie meeting and you know putting up stickers like i can only imagine how that feels after 20 years holy shit i've i've recognized this nine months ago and it feels like it's been nine years so 20 oh man and especially not talking to like a plethora of people about it. Like I feel very lucky to have this podcast, to have discord, Patreon, all that stuff. And, and just seeing other people have this recognition, but yeah, just, it's fascinating how quickly people write off that when you say something like, how do you know this isn't all a dream? It's like, what do you mean? It's, it's reality. What are you talking about? And they, they look at you like you're crazy. And it's like, why is that such a crazy thing to say? Because it, is it because it's like threatening to them or? No, if anything, it's the opposite. It's because they are a limited bag of meat and that is their self-definition. And within that, they have certain limitations that they have to live within. And that's a very comfortable box. What we're talking about is a lack of limitation. What we're talking about is the potential for change. And although in a certain mindset, you're like, yeah, that, what else could I want? In another mindset, you're like, yeah, but then things could go wrong. Change means the unknown. I'm not prepared for that at all. And, and so we just grasp onto our identity thinking this is helping me when in fact, it's just cutting us off from everything that we could ever be. I remember, um, I think it was probably about 18 years ago, uh, we were at a, a dinner with uh, an older couple in the town that we were living in and we were sitting down and they were a very old mindset, but we figured, what the hell, they're neighbors, we're gonna sit and chat with them anyway. And I started talking about how the brain changes about how we can access more and more of our intelligence, the more present we are, the more we're willing to let go of what we assume so that way our brain can actually start processing information. And without missing a beat, the guy I was talking about talking to said, well, we only use 10% of our brain. 
The other 90% is in case that gets damaged. That is actually what happened in that conversation, which makes no sense whatsoever, but it didn't have to because that was enough for him to end the conversation. And that is exactly what we're talking about. And this is, this is what um, I was saying about it's been a long 20 years. I've had so many of those conversations over the last 20 years, man, where it's just, I don't want to go further because I don't know what that means. And I'm afraid, which is understandable, right? And so that's what our experience is all about. That's what this journey really is. It's not about telling other people. It's about just practicing and recognizing it's not a danger because the more we do it, the more other people start to go, well, they're fine, right? Look at them. And that's the value of the conversation. But yeah, we, we hold on to ideas of ourselves because the limitations are comfortable. They're comfortable. And because we have that idea of ourselves as being human beings, there's immediate limitations to that. And that's the whole Christian thing too, that, you know, we're, we're sinners, like we're nothing close to God, even though you know, we're made in God's image, which is kind of funny in itself. But it, it comes down to, in my opinion, right? The fact that we can't fathom how intelligent we really are because we only witness our intelligence through this biological form. And that biological form is limited by our perception that it's real, that it's the, the crux of our being, that it's the, the, the source of our limitations. And, and so what I mean, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, it was a great conversation, but about the nature of dreams. Our dreams, when you go to sleep, is based on the capacity of, of your mind, of your brain, and everything that you've learned within this form and everything that you, you uh, feel that you are capable of. But nonetheless, we are still using synaptic pathways. We're still using neuroconductors and neurotransmitters. It's still going through this big meaty thing that we call our brain. And, and so because of that, it's limited, just like uh, an electrical um, signal is limited according to the cord that it goes through, whether it's a coaxial or, or a fiber optic, for example, fiber optics much faster than a coaxial cable, right? So if you look at our brain as coaxial cable, that's what we look at when we turn look in, in terms of the quality or the, the reality of a dream. We go, well, look, that's not very reality. That's not very real. Like it's all spotty. It's not consistent. There's no time in a dream. I don't know who I am. So on and so forth. It's like, right, because the signal is so slow because the processing speed is so slow. But if you were to look at the universe and the fact that the universe is constantly sending information back and forth in terms of uh, radio waves, electrical signals, electromagnet uh, uh, electromagnetism, um, gravity, light, sound, all of these things are, are forms of information. We don't think of them that way, of course, because we think of things in terms of information has to be language. Information has to be something we understand with our, our uh, conceptual mind. But it's all information. When, you, when, a, when the sun hits you, you process information while that sun is hitting you and you're having that experience. And so the universe itself is a brain without our biological limitations. It's a brain so fast and so capable of processing information faster than anything we could possibly express with our technology that the dream of that mind is consistent in terms of time and reality and characters far more than our biological dreams because they're limited according to our perception of our own experience, of our capabilities, which is oddly enough, something I've experienced in my own life, the less I hold on to the idea that my brain is the cause of my dreams, the more lucid and, and consistent my dreams tend to become, which is an interesting experience. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Wait, so you said you since, cause I've, I, I dream a lot. 
more now. I still haven't lucid dreamt, but you said it was letting go of you thinking that your brain was responsible for your dream. So is it because there aren't the bounds to you being what you think you are, there is more opportunity for that? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's changed the nature of the dream as well. I don't just dream about being human anymore. That is definitely something that has changed. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, it'll be interesting because I very much throughout my experience, like, you know, forget that I am Andrew a lot of times and forget that that's what all people see when they see me. And I see myself like when I was walking around with Sophie and Daisy and Lexi, they, they kept pointing out things. They're like, wait, so you think that's you? And it's like, well, it is. Yeah, it's aware of existence here and now, just like me. And that's all I am. So without, you know, what I think I am, that's all that's left. And so it's just so, it's like so clear that I can't unsee that. I, it's, it's like, I still do get caught up in thinking that I am Andrew and, and worrying about stuff and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the moments of clarity are, are becoming far more frequent. And in those, it's just so obvious. It's like, because I don't define myself in the way that I always have. And, and but based on what I think I am, it's like, there are no bounds to what I am anymore. And then if you ask, you know, is that you? It's like, yeah, obviously. What do you mean? What's telling you that it isn't you? It's like, well, what you think that you are, how you define yourself but we've gotten so i feel like with our experience too we've gotten so concrete in our belief about the way that our experience is even though it's such a limited perception based on our human biology like our ability to see light and hear certain sounds like there's so much stuff we can't hear so many different light frequencies we can't see and yet we settle on Oh, this very, very tiny little specific uh, way that we can perceive the world is how the world is. And it's like, well, if we can only perceive a tiny little bit, why do you think that it is the way it is? And defining yourself the way you think you are is sort of goes along the same way. And that's why it's fascinating. The more I, you know, learn about who Jesus or Yeshua actually was, the more you know, his miracles make a lot more sense. If he was actually able to see himself and really, really like absolutely let go of everything that he thought he was and see himself as everything in everything, like everything, everything, then a lot of that stuff makes sense. The things that he could do seeing himself as that, because you know, whether it's turning water into wine, it's like if everything is based on our perception of the way that we think things are, if you can see yourself as everyone that you are with, you know, in your immediate environment, especially, and you can allow everyone to perceive things differently, then who's to say that that stuff, the water or the wine that is also you can't change and it's like that seems like just another level to that like what do you i don't know with that story of jesus what do you think got him to those understandings because i know there's so much of his life that we 
don't have there's no history of it so i think i think psychedelics probably played some role in some of his understandings of you know seeing god and whatnot but just like letting go of what he thought he was because everyone has just like the classic you know story of of the beginnings of christianity kind of burned into their brain anyone who grew up catholic or christian but it's like there's there's so much more to that that isn't just the classic you know christmas story or easter story or whatever so i'm curious like what do you think allowed him because so many people get to it through you know suffering or just going through difficult times it seemed like he you know was big on relinquishing his beliefs as growing up jewish things like that do you think the religious aspect of, of judaism played a role in that or do you think it was other stuff i think that that's what motivated him to leave right because there was 18 years in the bible where jesus just wasn't he just wasn't there and uh, there's a large there's a, a fairly common theory that he went traveling up through um you know, Iran or, or Persia and whatnot and into, um, into India towards uh, Asia, in which case all of the cultural practices throughout all of that involves some kind of hallucinogen or drug or, or, or hashish or something like that. So, I mean, to, to discount that is, is silly at the end of the day. We might as well just admit he probably tripped out because that was just common for that part of the, of the world at, at that period of time, which makes sense. But how did he get there? I, I would say it was the work. I, I, I'd say that it was just again, just getting out of the way more and more and more and more. And when you look at, at the things he was saying, when you look at how he was saying them, um, you start to realize what he was trying to do was identify as the whole, okay? which is super cool on the one hand, but on the other hand, you're like, yeah, I can see why that got misinterpreted for sure, right? It's like, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the son of God. It's like, that's not what I said, <laughs> right? Like what I'm saying is that, you know, I... I'm the basis of my reality. Without me, there's nothing here. And everybody just took that and ran with it. He thinks he's better than us and, and, and so on and so forth. But it was the work. It really was. And, and I think that the farther you go with that, the deeper it gets. And I, I talk about this from my own experience that the more I let go of who I am or the idea that I am this, um, the weirder it gets, the more surreal things get, the, the more things tend to work out without me trying to make them work out like life becomes effortless almost like it's an extension like in a state of mind i'll just go i'm gonna go do this and it'll just go smoothly like it was meant to be and then in a different state of mind it'll be like climbing up a steep jagged cliff right and it really just comes back down to how much resistance am i in and that that rabbit hole in itself gets me thinking all the time all the time like what's possible there exactly how much can i surrender of myself and what is the, the limitation on that? Is there a limitation on that? Exactly how far does this journey go? Is this the journey of an awareness that can rediscover its own divinity? And what the hell does that mean? So there's so much, so much to wonder about. Um, I wanted to mention something quickly in regards to lucid dreaming, because a lot of what we experience when we're dreaming comes from how we went to sleep. So when you go to sleep at night, are you going to sleep? Or are you leaving Andrew behind and going somewhere else? Because your perception of that experience changes everything. See, when I go to sleep, I'm leaving the experience of Ray behind. That's what's in my head when I go to sleep. Well, it's been fun being Ray. I'll be back soon. And that changes the dream. So I encourage you to try that. 
I will certainly try that tonight. <laughs> and I feel like just in my reality, I'm, I'm leaving Andrew behind more and more often, which I know Ray has mentioned that it's something he kind of has to purposefully not leave behind sometimes. And, and I can see how that could be the case because there are things about our reality and, and certain conveniences that are just easier through identity, but it's just the belief that that's what we are is what gets everyone tripped up and, and the certainty that it is what you are. But I think very few people get to the point that they have to remember that that's what they are because it's such a concrete belief in our society that we are what we think we are. But yeah, that, that makes sense then with lucid dreaming of, of instead of going to sleep, just leaving Andrew behind. So do you start now? Now I'm super curious about lucid dreaming because I think it sounds fucking awesome and I want to do it at some point. But um, do you just start because sometimes I'll, I'll catch myself just utilizing my imagination and because I don't see my mind as this you know, awful thing anymore. Like I used to this thing that caused me all of this suffering through fear and worry and, and was the root of my suffering because it was all, you know, it, it, it all came back to identifying as Andrew. And that is where our suffering comes from. It's just how you identify yourself as what you think you are. And so if all you think that you are is, you know, this idea of you, then all of your thoughts are going to have to do with that idea of you and with that character. And I think someone put in discord today, a sad guru quote, and I actually have it on my desktop. So I'm just going to bring it up real quick, but it said, hold on, it's coming up. shoot! It was something about when you stop identifying as, oh, here we go. If you stop identifying with things that you are not, your mind will become still. That's all it takes to meditate. So it's, it's interesting. And that just like hit so hard for me today because I was like, that's it. It's just when you're, when you are what you think you are and you are, you think you are this character, all of your thoughts are going to be about this character. And all it ever is, is recognizing that that's not what you are. So when I start when I'm going to sleep anyway, going back to that. Um, and, and I start just utilizing my imagination because I see it more so as a tool and a way for me to just do whatever I want through that. And it's, it's becoming more and more real, like getting closer and closer to as real as my experience that I have in, you know, that I'm having right now or any other time of my day when I'm awake or Andrew's awake or however you want to say that. But it's uh, so it's something that I guess through imagination, the character of Andrew doesn't really come along with it, but I guess it kind of does. Like I still perceive myself to be Andrew going through all of these things, but it's definitely less so. But I think if I, if I, maybe I'll, I'll start leaving that character behind and just seeing myself as an awareness of, of anything I want to be. Um, you know, traveling through the universe and going to different places and, and things and experiencing different things. And so, yeah, I'll give that a shot and I'll, I'll do, keep it posted. I, I think you'll enjoy that for sure. It's, it's so 
I just want to mention this quickly because I, I mentioned this like, oh yeah, just do this and you'll be lucid dreaming and all of that. But um, there was a journey to get here. And, and, and through that journey was a, a great deal of terrifying twists and turns. And, and one of them was as I was practicing this or as I was exploring this, this particular option for lucid dreaming, because this was a focus of mine for a little while. Um, I started waking up without any memory of who I was. So that was a consequence for a while. I would wake up, I'd look at my wife, it would take me about five minutes to piece together who she was. I wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't re recognize my house. I wouldn't know my name. I didn't even speak English. Like one day she woke up, she looked at me and she's, she's talking to me and I'm looking at her like she's speaking Russian. Like I couldn't understand a word until, until my brain started coming back going, right, right, right. We're Ray. We speak English. We live in this country, blah, blah, blah. And my brain and my memory started coming back. But that was, that was part of this journey was letting go of myself to the point where I actually had to put it back together. And that was a little bit terrifying for a while um, until I started recognizing there's no danger. Like just slow down, take your, take a moment, breathe. Right. Okay. And then the memory starts coming back. It's the panic that holds it off. Like that's an important thing to remember. Don't panic. You'll be back in your head in a second. <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, but going to sleep is a different experience for me now as well, because I used to do that where I would lie down. I would let go of my thoughts about the day, let go of my thoughts about myself and start watching my imagination. And then I'd be dreaming. Now it's very different. None of that happens. I lay down and it's like this reality just goes and the next one starts and that's it. It's like walking through a door and Ray is no longer there, right? It's not, I'm not trying to get to sleep anymore. It's more like I'm falling backwards into another reality. And before I know it, it's just fully in front of me. I'm not trying to form an image. I'm not doing any of that. My, it's just happening. It's right there. And I know it's happening because I'm immediately not thinking about Ray anymore. Ray's entire reality is gone. I'm fully immersed in the experience that I'm having. Wow. Wow. That's, that's so nutty. The, the part about how you'd have to piece your life back together. But honestly, I get that. Like I could see that happening and it's interesting. Like, as you were saying that I kind of imagined for a second, just my day-to-day -day life and almost forgetting that it's, it's, I guess to a, it's a much deeper degree of just forgetting that, you know, when I walk around, all that anyone sees is Andrew and the character that they think that I am, because I don't necessarily see myself as that as much, but it's like so far that it's like, you've convinced your brain that that's not what you are. And it's like fully with you. It's like, that's not what we are. All right. Yeah. Like all of these things about what you think you are, are no longer the case. And yeah. So there's like, it's crazy. Cause part of me feels like there is such an extreme amount of freedom in that, but it's also terrifying at the same time because you have to sort of, I guess from anyone else's perspective that, you know, isn't having this conversation or hasn't heard you know, all of our podcast episodes, they'd be like, how the fuck is that not terrifying waking up and not knowing who your wife is, how to speak English, where you live, where you are like, you know, it's always interesting when you sleep in a, in a place that you aren't always like you're sleeping over at a friend's house or something and you wake up and it takes you like, 
you know, maybe 10 seconds to be like, where the hell am I? This is not familiar. So it's like that, but to a whole nother degree, because you are waking up in the place you always wake up, but not really because you aren't Ray is the thing. And awareness knows that, but we get confused. So it's like, it's almost interesting that we don't always wake up in that way. And we always wake up knowing exactly who we are because it's such a concrete belief that that's how we pretty much all wake up. But it's almost interesting that more of us don't wake up in that way. But I guess that's just proof of the strength of the illusion that we are experiencing. Practice, right? Every day we wake up and remind ourselves who we are. Every day we wake up and remind ourselves that we what we did yesterday and what we're going to do for the rest of the day, right? And so there's that continuing that continuing narration, that continuing timeline. So yeah, it's an interesting experience. I wanted to mention uh, quickly because I did say I I do this at the beginning of the episode about halfway through and we're already over the halfway point. Anybody who would like to get a free copy of our social anxiety workshop. Go to dualisticunity.com, go into the store, click social anxiety workshop. I think it's social anxiety and worry workshop. Um, You can get that for free with the coupon code, it's time. That's all you need to do. Just type in the coupon code, it's time, and you will get that for absolutely nothing. You can download it uh, through the dashboard on the website. You can access it whenever you want. And I really hope that you enjoy that social anxiety workshop because it was one of our first and probably one of our best conversations for dealing with judgment and what other people might think of you and just getting through the day and building motivation. So I can't recommend that enough. Um, Back to the dream. I, I just wanted to mention quickly that it takes practice because you are switching narratives like you're going from one dimension to another there's no better way to really describe that and and so i remember uh, i was in a dream that was so very real I, I, i was in there for decades like i lived an entire lifetime i got married i had kids i lived in this place it was this whole thing and then i woke up i woke up next to this woman and i felt incredibly guilty I was like, who am I with? And it was my wife. So I just want to say, again, don't panic. Give it a minute. It'll come back to you. That is gnarly. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And it just goes back to like how we just assume that this reality is reality. Like we think of reality as just, you know, this one thing that we're all experiencing because we've all settled on the assumption that this is it. And this is the extent of our experience. And I am what I think I am. And there's just so many things we settle on that aren't that we just stop questioning because it gets uncomfortable and to let go of the thing that we think we are as much suffering as it gives us, it gives us a sense of certainty and a sense of control. But beyond that, there is just raw freedom that is so different than what we're used to. It's almost like, you know, sometimes I'm hesitant to be like, oh yeah, you definitely want this because it's, it's so different that it can be jarring sometimes. Like, I don't even know. It's like, it's something that I don't necessarily go out and recommend, you know, I'm not like a Jehovah's witness knocking on people's doors being like you're not what you think you are and there's a lot of freedom in that because who knows what's going to happen if they if they do start 
recognizing that. And so there's a lot of freedom too in just the recognition that like we were talking about in the last episode, you don't have to convince anyone of this. You can just embody it, just be the embodiment of freedom. And people will naturally start asking questions. They'll be like, how do you feel this free all the time? Like you don't worry about stuff. You're not that afraid of death. You're not scared of or concerned about how people judge you. You're not worried about what they think of you. And it's all these things. You don't have to go around convincing. You can just be it. And they'll start asking questions. They'll start getting curious inevitably. And when they do, you know, always happy to have conversations. I love having conversations about this stuff, but I found, you know, early on, I was a little bit more pushy, especially when it came to belief. And now it's like, you know, if you want to cling to that, feel a false sense of certainty. I know there's going to be consequences that you experience all the time, but if you ever want to figure out another way to exist beyond belief, beyond the limitations of belief and identity, we'll be here. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing though, that, that idea changes as this continues to grow. Right. One thing I, I enjoy about the gospel of Thomas is that it gives you a very different perspective of Yeshua or Jesus in that he says straight up, I come with the sword, I'm not here to make peace. I'm here to divide homes. I'm here to divide, you know, brother against brother, father against son, right? Three against two in a household. And, and he's talking about that because this relationship or this relationship with reality, this clarity or this, this conversation, it is jarring. And while it's just you and I and our audience of, of a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now, that conversation is growing. And as much as we can leave believers alone and not talk to them about this because we know they're going to be threatened, that's only going to be true for so long before this conversation creeps up into their reality because it's just going to keep spreading, right? It's just going to keep growing. Everything that we're doing right now, oddly enough, as much as it feels like our own and like our own drive and our own motivation is the result of everything we've done up until now, right? Like, it's funny how you're saying, like, you just keep going down that road. You don't have to try and convince anybody and eventually things start happening. Yeah. You know, 20 years later, you end up having a podcast with somebody you've never met before talking to thousands of people on a weekly basis about insights that at one point people called you crazy for. And now you see people changing their lives, feeling more free and wanting to, to share this with the people they love. How long is it going to be before believers have to come face to face with the fact that there's a whole other thing happening that has nothing to, nothing to do with belief at all? This conversation is eventually going to make them uncomfortable if they run from it, but that's beyond our control. Yeah, it's fun too being able to express it in ways that aren't, they don't think of as directly, you know, threatening to their belief system and it's so funny seeing it happen you know live in action when you start going through and talking about how you know so let's get on the same page about a few things you know right now is all there is you are right now you're not a story right you know you're not the past right you know you're you're not your thoughts well i mean you are and you aren't because you're everything and whatever but you know the limitations of what you think you are are not confined to your thoughts so 
your thoughts aren't something that's required for existence, right? You can experience the here and now without thoughts, right? They're like, yeah, they agree with all of that. It's like, all right, where's God? Like, oh, well, where's God? Well, God's, uh, I don't really know. What does God look like? Well, uh, can't use your mind, can't use your imagination. It's like, ooh, shit. You know, how, how is your experience without thought? You're just aware, here and now, right? Or, or another way I like to take it is, you know, God is, God is omniscient and omnipotent and everything and everywhere, right? Like, yes. It's like, I'm somewhere, right? <laughs> They're like, uh, and they just get so, that, that pisses them off so much that God is everything and everywhere because they that's part of their belief. And it's like, well, I'm somewhere, I'm something, right? <laughs> and so, so going through those uh, is a lot of fun, but it, it's interesting going through it from a path that they understand when, when it comes from a place of, of like, thinking and thoughts and fear, worry, anxiety, all of that stuff. And then you're able to, you know, sort of like come in the back door and be like, this has to do with your belief in, you know, fiction and whatnot. And then they're able to see the consequences in their beliefs in fiction and how it actually does have overlap with their dealings with anxiety and fear and worry and things like that. So, so it's, it's, I don't know. I enjoy, I just really enjoy having the conversation. So I love just poking, poking that around. And, and it's just fun to see and see people like, for example, I was, I was on a podcast, um, about a month ago or so, and it just came out last week. It was with, uh, Sean T he's like a fitness personality, um, who has a pretty big following. His podcast has a pretty big following too. And, and the podcast, it's about, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes. It's his podcast is called Trust and Believe for those listening. If you want to check it out. And I talk about you know, a bunch of different things about how I'm not what I think I am, uh, identity about mushrooms, things like that. And uh, my dad texted me actually, and he's always been someone who isn't, you know, super, uh, he's not, into psychedelics in any way, shape or form. Also, I'll leave it at that. And so he texted me and said, Hey, listen to the podcast. Thought it, you know, thought it was awesome. Like how big is Sean's following? That was really cool. And I was like, hell yeah. Cause I know I talked about mushrooms for a good 15 to 20 minutes in a very like rational, logical approach. And it actually, it was kind of beautiful how Sean's questions like matched up with like the progression of identity, not being what you think you are. And then mushrooms just being sort of an extension of that understanding and the thing that can help you recognize that because so many people have a stigma and think it's just like, Oh, this it's a drug and it fries your brain and you trip. And it's like the way I explained it was very much utilizing, you know, the analogy of peeling back the layers that we exist within about our thoughts and beliefs about the way things are. And when you're not as sure about that, you're not as sure about, you know, what you are. And the more peeled back you can live, the more you question things, the more you recognize you're not what you think you are, the less things you have to focus on to be afraid of with that identity and mushrooms like tie seamlessly along with that. So even just in a conversation like that, and then having someone like my dad 
listen to it and you know listen to the whole thing he definitely heard me talk about mushrooms in that way it was like a way to talk to people close to me that isn't directly talking to them so it's it's cool just that you know it's all we're always making ripples things are always happening we never know what the impact is going to be exactly and whatever the impact ends up being isn't as important as the experience that we're having and ripples are inevitable no matter what we're doing which changes the experience entirely and that's that's the nice thing about this as you said earlier right it's that it's all one insight at the end of the day it's it's the same insight but in different angles and different variations for different experiences or different things that we're focused on like it always comes back to being ourselves which always comes back to being reality which always comes back to letting go of our thought it, it's always the same insight but it's just that it's applicable in different areas of their life and so you can start with the most mundane like social anxiety right and just work with them on that and eventually they'll have the insight that, oh, what I think is actually causing conflict. Oh, what I'm holding on to in my belief is actually limiting my abilities. And they'll, they'll, they'll start to pick it apart themselves, right? But we're talking about the value in uncertainty or in faith, however you'd like to put it, because it's the same thing, right? But the, the problem is, is that the general conception about belief is that it is faith. Believing in an idea blindly is faith. It's like, but it's not. If that idea is giving you a sense of certainty and security, then it's actually just false certainty and false security. It's an idea you're holding on to to protect yourself from uncertainty. So there is no faith in it. And as long as there's no faith in it, your intelligence doesn't have the capacity to act fully, which means that you can't have a religious experience because it requires you to actually be aware in the moment, which requires you to let go of all your blockages and all your limitations and all of your assumptions. And that's when you see God in your own existence. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's all it ever is. And that's kind of how I've always described mushrooms to be is just going beyond the, your individual perception judgments of the world and it just makes it easier to relax into that and beyond all those things and why people feel such an appreciation for existence is because it isn't veiled by the way that you think things are things just are and we see that things just are there's so much beauty in everything all the time and so i think why they can be so helpful and you know they're not for everyone that nothing is for everyone whatever but when someone is going through it and is you know just in a rut and and having a tough time seeing things for what they are because that's all it comes back to i feel like is is thinking things are a certain way and kind of settling on a certainty that things are the way they are and the way you see things is how things are. And it's just the recognition that that's never the case. That's literally never the case. Even if you're in a really good mood, like no matter how you're perceiving things to be, they're never the way you think they are. And that, as Ray just said, is the uncertainty of everything. And it's, it's so it's an uncertainty for everything beyond right now, but there's also an uncertainty in right now in your perception of things. So just recognizing that your perception isn't the truth and your perception isn't actually the way things are brings about so much 
freedom, because as soon as you question that and really question it, to recognize that it's not even what you think it might be in another way. It's like you you have a perception of things. And it's like, okay, it's not that, but like maybe it's this. And you think of something else depressing or whatever. It's like, no, it's, it's literally no matter what you say, it's none of those things. So through that, through that recognition, all that's left is what is, is reality as it is. And, and if you want to go through it, sometimes it can be beneficial to just run through all of the perceptions you think it might be and just pick each one apart and be like, not that, not that, not that, not that. Then all of a sudden, all that's left is reality. And you can do the same thing for your perception of yourself. You know, you think you're this, you think you're this, you think you're this, you think you're this. And all of those are, for the most part, for a lot of people, very limiting beliefs about what they can and can't do. And once you pick apart each one and just recognize every single one that you just said is not the truth, it's like, all right, well, shit, what, what am I? What, what can I do? And it's like, you can do anything, you know, or at least try anything because your potential is infinite. You have infinite potential here and now, as long as you are not being restricted by the perception of what you think you are. Nicely said, because the perception that you invest in, the illusion that you commit to changes your experience, changes everything that you see as possible. And I find it so very funny that we've been talking about lucid dreaming throughout this entire episode. But what you just described could very easily be called lucid living. Because that's all it is. It's treating reality like you would a dream. Question everything. Assume nothing. Be what you are and allow that to adapt and unfold. And that, that's living, that's dreaming, that's everything that we've been talking about. It's the same experience. And they're both influenced by what we hold on to. Oh, lucid living, that's good. That might have to be the title of this, of this episode, holy shit. Yeah, oh wow, because what is that really? Lucid, lucid living versus lucid dreaming. And because everyone thinks of lucid dreaming as this like, incredible amazing free thing like you can do anything you can be anything it's like well let's bring that into waking life and it's like you can do anything you can be anything when can you do those things when can you be anything when you don't think you are a specific thing when you don't believe your perception of yourself to be what you are that's all it is that's oh man this is, this is some good shit. Dude. Yeah. And it keeps getting deeper, right? Like this is the funny thing about this. Like it's so easy to look at me as we're having this conversation and to forget that I've been at it for over half my life. Right. Like that's the assumption is that because I use the same words and concepts that a lot of other people use that I'm talking about the same thing. It's not, it's not the same thing. You know, it's like uh, teaching Wing Chun, right? There, a lot of people will go, well, this is a, this is a tan. It's like, well, it's the shape of a tan, right? It's not the intention. There's not like the, the mentality behind it. The relaxed nature is not there. Like there's more to it than just the form. There's the substance, right? And the substance is not something you can fake. It's not something you can memorize. It's not something you can just, now I've got it, right? Which is why I find the most common refrain on this path. And it happens over and over and over again. And this is how you know you're doing great is when you keep telling yourself, oh, it's so much clearer than it's ever been. And you'll keep hearing yourself say that over and over and over again while time passes, but it doesn't feel like time is passing. 
it just feels like the moment is getting deeper and, and more, I guess, in line with who we are because we're getting out of the way of the division that was never there to begin with and just allowing it to be what we are. And this is why I say like, even identifying as a human being causes problems, right? Identifying in any way, shape or form causes problems. And this is something that our system is very well aware of, right? Like there have been a number of cases where somebody was pulled into court or rather they were, they were told that they had to go to court for their person, which is the name on your birth certificate. It's not who you are, right? It's your corporate entity that allows you to interact with the rest of the world. And those people have went into court and just held up the birth certificate and said, I'm here about this account. And they went, well, is that you? I'm here about this account. And they didn't identify. And the case was dismissed. And this has happened numerous times. There are, there are documented cases where this has happened. And sometimes they'll trick you. Sometimes they'll get you because they need you to admit that you are under their authority, that you are under their jurisdiction. You need to identify as part of their game in order for them to get you to be part of their game. There was this great uh, case where a gentleman went down, I think this was in Alabama. Anyway, there was, uh, he went into court and he basically did that. I'm here to see about this account. And the judge went, you know, well, are you that person? And he's like, well, I'm just here to see this account. And so the judge is like, well, I guess it's the end of the case, case dismissed. The guy leaves. And as he's going to walk out the door, the bailiff is at the main door. And the judge says, take that toothpick out of your mouth, uh, out of your mouth in my courtroom. And the guy did. And he said, bailiff, arrest that man. And it was because immediately he listened to his authority. Immediately he identified as being under their jurisdiction and he was arrested for it. Oh, man, that's brutal. Even though he didn't identify as even though he didn't say like his name, take that toothpick out. It was still his. Oh, damn. That's yeah. like watch the cops, right? Like you'll, you'll notice that if they come up to you and they start asking, asking questions, just keep saying, I don't answer questions. I don't answer questions. Cause then if you don't answer, you're not, you're not admitting that you're under their jurisdiction, right? Even the word understand has a hidden meaning. Do you understand means do you stand under me? Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll definitely <laughs> remember that one, but. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. And just like ever since we had the, uh, I forget, I don't remember what episode it was, but talked about how, you know, the government and society is like a, a company, like a corporate entity. It's, it's, you just see things so differently and it's a little bit, a little bit bleak when, when you see it in that way, but it's also like, you know, it still doesn't really change my experience here and now very much, which I think is just the important thing to keep in mind. And and we've talked about this before too, but just when we do get caught up in, in the bleakness of society and everything that's so fucked up about it, because we are just so sure that we are what we think we are. And everyone identifies as what they think they are, that, you know, we're all screwed and, and everything's going to shit. And it's like, I don't, maybe things aren't as bad as we think and is, you know, thinking they're so terrible, only making them worse, you know? So that that's, I don't know, important for just myself to remember in a lot of ways, because sometimes oh, yeah. it does. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can't get all bent out of shape about the tyranny and the injustice and all of that because that doesn't that doesn't actually affect any of it. But it is important to, I think the important part of, of understanding all of this in terms of how the system works and how laws have become more habitual than, than logical um, is recognizing that the the world that we grew up in, the narrative that we were raised to abide by and 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 respect, as it were, um, doesn't make any sense at the end of the day, like it's been lost in repetition for such a very long time that it's no longer serving the purpose that it was originally created to serve. It's now it's just going through the motions instead of recognizing the freedom that the, or the freedom of the mentality that put that stuff in motion to begin with, right? Like the idea of government is a good idea for small communities, but the larger the community, the more government you need, the more capacity for corruption and, and, and uh, lack of empathy you have. And so there are all kinds of considerations that we just stopped having. We just stopped having those considerations as a whole because the system is what it is, is the best that we could do and just deal with it. Whereas this conversation is very much saying like, we made this system. The system was based on, on certain things that we as humans decided we wanted to enact and we wanted to agree upon. And then it just got out of hand because you had more and more people that were being less and less responsible for the system that they were a part of and perpetuating and condoning and, and even believing in. And again, that's that makes a lot of sense, especially for a species that was hammered with two world wars back to back where it killed you know, a large portion of, the, of their best and their brightest. Um, and then they just kept link, limping along after that, trying to, to do the best they could underneath the thumb of governments that found power and authority and control through those wars. They learned how, how to manipulate and work under the necessity of war. That's where our income tax came from. That's where a great deal of our, our military industrial complex came from. Most of our system came about through World War I and World War II, right? And so it's important to look at those things and, and not to despair, but to recognize, ah, Another example of how a good idea can go wrong when we stop paying attention to it, when we stop being responsible for it. And that's what this is. And so at one point, when I was learning about all this and Jekyll Island and so on and so forth, yeah, it, it is kind of a, you know, a kick in the teeth. Like you, you really do feel like, oh God, it's beyond our, our, our uh, it's beyond hope. There's nothing we can do. This is just the way the world's gonna be. And then you start to recognize, but the world is made up of me. The world is just made up of more and more me's and, and all of them have the capacity to change. All of them have the same potential to let go of what they assume to be true and to discover something else. And as long as that's the case, I'm deeply inspired. I feel great every day, regardless of, of how bad things might be going in the world, because it's through turbulence that we gain elevation, right? It's through the chaos that we gain clarity. And while that might suck to go through, when we get through it on the other side and we find that enhanced state of equilibrium or that enhanced state of clarity or empathy, it's not that it's all worthwhile, but we can definitely see the value. Yeah. As that, as you were saying that last part, I thought about just how all of this comes back to, you know, the recognition as above, so below and in our personal lives, how many times do we go through something super difficult you know, extreme suffering. And then out the other end, we have this like crazy realization or enlightening sort of experience. I know that's happened to me and, and it's happened probably a couple of times. I know happened to Ray certainly, and, and probably many of you listening and who's to say that isn't happening with our collective right now. You know, we're so 
you know, the, the grasp on identity and clinging to what we think we are and the divide, especially in America, is just getting bigger and bigger as we identify more and more with what we believe to be the truth, what we believe to be correct about the way to do things, not recognizing that it's it's that mentality that is stopping us from doing that. It's like all of these things seem to be like crumbling and crashing and burning and and there's just so much shit going on. It's like, how often do we go through this in our personal lives? And then out the other side is this, you know, sort of grand realization like, oh, wow. Okay. And all of a sudden it just hits you out of nowhere. There's no exact specific thing that makes you be like, oh, wow. It just happens out of nowhere. Like who's to say that isn't happening right now with our collective human race, at the at the at this very moment we're going through it and because it is you know seemingly a bigger experience than just our individual experience it's like you know same thing but same same but different <laughs> but so maybe it'll just take a little bit longer maybe instead of a few weeks of suffering it'll take a few years or you know a few centuries or whatever and then eventually there will be a recognition that oh you know as as more and more recognize it which we are more and more will recognize it and then you know maybe it, that individual recognition as it always is will be the collective recognition absolutely we are part of a collective existential crisis or transformation right like that's it we're just playing our role but it's so important to just i think it's important to remember that the simple fact that you are having these insights, the simple fact that your existence is changing so much begs the question, why? It begs the question, what, what part of this large change are you? Because I know looking back at my life, I know looking back at everything up until the point where I woke up, there was no, no indication that I was going to do anything but die. There was no indication of change happening at all. Like I was very, very much immersed in my hell. And then I woke up and I've been awake and I've been talking about it and, and I've been going through this, these insights in my mind all the time. And there's no separation. There's no division. Right. And so one has to go, well, this is just a big wave and I'm a single drop, but my drop is changing at a rate that I can't possibly take credit for because it's part of everything else changing. And so I get very inspired by the fact that you Sophie, other people that we talk to on our channel and otherwise are just having these conversations are changing in themselves because the fact is that's the indication that the tide is turning. That's the indication that, that we're going in a different direction. It's not going to happen overnight, but admittedly after 20 years, the pace is picking up, man. Yeah. Uh, again, I can only imagine after 20 years of, of these recognitions, what that must be like, but yeah, even, you know, I, I see it more and more. Like when I first recognized this last summer, there wasn't many people that I was coming across that really were seeing the same thing. And I still, you know, I, I followed a bunch of you know, quote unquote spiritual creators and none of them really got this. It was still, and I didn't, I, I didn't even have the understandings that I do now or the clarity that I do now to see that that is, you know, it still comes back. And so many of the, these beliefs and ideals that we focus on come back to identity and, you know, the 
illusion that the ego is what we are. And so even then I, I wasn't coming across that many people. And I feel like even still, like there are more and more having the conversation, which is so cool to see at the same time. Sometimes it's like, it's interesting to see, for example, when we're, when we're talking like Ray and I are talking about getting guests on, it's like, there is still like a limit to the ones that we're willing to have the conversation with because so many on the path sort of settle on something relatively egotistical that, that allows them to feel better because, you know, the deeper you go, the less certain you get about everything, the less comfortable it gets until you recognize the comfort in that recognition. But before then there's a lot of discomfort and it seems like a lot of people, I don't know, settle on that, but there's certainly more and more willing to have the conversation that haven't gotten necessarily stuck in anything. It's just, there's so much programming and identity they're coming out of. It is a process of getting out of it. Same as myself, even after I you know, had that realization last July, it's like, I was still very much identified as this, you know, awareness of Andrew. And it wasn't till a few months later. And I, you know, pretty much was talking to Ray more that I recognized, oh, that's, that's still limiting concept of what I think I am. Yeah. And what's funny is that I didn't inspire that insight at all. I'm just sitting here being crazy. And so you're just like, oh, there's another layer to that. I'm just going to keep going. And I think it's really important that I want to communicate this to our listeners, especially. I may be a very slow learner. This is something that's very important to remember that I've been at this for 20 years and yeah, I've had a lot of insights and I've, I've explored a lot of little nooks and crannies along this path. But the fact that it took me 20 years is not indicative that it's going to take you 20 years to get you know, to anywhere near the insights that I'm having or to get through any of the, the hardships that I've faced. I mean, you might learn way faster than I do. And that might be the result of me going through all the crap over the last 20 years to make it easier for you to learn. And the same is true for you. Every challenge that you face, every insecurity, every assumption, every layer of your ego that you let go of, you make it easier for awareness as a whole to let go of it, right? Like you are doing the work for all of us because we're all you. And this is true for, for me and Andrew and everybody else. So I just want to communicate that just like my, my Wing Chun teacher told me, I don't want you to understand what I understand. I want you to go beyond me. I want you to leave me in the dust, right? That's the whole point of this. It's very much like you know, when I offered life coaching or when I talked to people on one-on-one chats through Dualistic Unity. My goal is to make it so you never have to talk to me again because you don't need me. Right. All I'm doing is serving the role of reminding you that you don't need me. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah, it's it's I feel like that's another thing you can cling to, like an identity you can cling to is is thinking that this takes a really long time, this recognition. And the reality is it doesn't take any time at all is is the stark reality of it is that it happens now. And that recognition is that's it. That's pretty much it, right? Is is that's kind of the recognition. But there's so much depth to that. It's it's incredible. And you know, even recently, people have been think uh, commenting on some of my videos, like, 
oh, you know, I love you're you're my right now guy, and you always make me feel better when I'm when I'm struggling with something. And it's like, all right, I, like I'll take it. I'm not gonna say like, oh, you know, that's kind of a funny thing to call me, but it's because like right now, what do you mean the right now guy? Like that's a label. That's clearly a concept because right now is existence. Everything you've ever experienced is within right now because it's all you've ever been. So right now is not just another concept. The present moment is not just another idea that can help you feel better, recognizing that, you know, the present moment is all there is. It's, it's the root of everything you've ever done, whether it's, you know, playing the piano or going to a baseball game or having conversation with someone. It all happened within right now, within the present moment. So it, I just sometimes find it a little bit interesting when people say like, oh, right now, or like, especially when they dispute the recognition that right now is all there is, because then it's definitely a concept. Because if you think it's something that can be disputed, obviously you think it's a concept, but even on the other side, thinking like, oh yeah, I love, you know, I, I found the present moment when I was, you know, 20 years old or whatever. And it's like, it's all you've ever been. There was nothing to find. I guess there is a recognition and I'm not going to discount that because I spent a lot of my life suffering through the fear of what was going to happen in the future. But as I was suffering, I was suffering now and, and now is still all I've have ever and ever will experience and the only thing I will ever be. So it's, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess bringing it back to what Ray was talking about, it's, there are, there's not a ton of different types of things that we're talking about. There's just a shitload of depth in the recognition that right now is all you've ever been and all that and because in that there is no other because it's all I have ever been. And if it's all you have ever been and all I have ever been, it means we've always been the same thing. And it's like, that's not something that you recognize in the concept of right now, because in the concept, it's like, there is you, there is me that is separate from you. And then there's the present moment. That's something else that someone wrote a book about once and called it the power of now. And now everyone thinks that like, that's all you're ever talking about. If you talk about the present moment, they're like, Oh, the power of now. I love that book. It's like, it's the root of your whole fucking experience. It's not a concept. It's not a book. It's not just something it's everything it's existence itself. It's what you are. So I don't know. I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I, I hear you. Absolutely. And that's, that is the problem, right? Is that all of these concepts, they point at something that people don't necessarily have to get. That's the thing is that they can, they can live in the concept. They can continue to self-define. This was the thing about the power of now when it came out was I kept running across people who were like, yeah, power of now. And then they define themselves and it'd be like, okay, you're, you're missing the entire point of this. It's like, well, I'm in the present now. I've been in the present a lot more lately. It's like, sorry pretty sure we just talked about time, right? And so it's just, it, it goes beyond the conceptual understanding. And that has been the entire point of this episode, I think, everything in terms of, of lucidity. Lucidity and uncertainty and presence and awareness and a lack of assumption all go hand in hand. In order to be your unlimited potential, 
you have to be lucid, which means that you have to be completely uncertain and in the moment and without any idea of who you are or what you're capable of or, or what's going to happen next and just allow that to unfold. And that, that degree of lucidity sounds a lot like insanity. And I've often said that awareness lies on the border of sanity because it's not until you abandon the idea that there is a such thing as sanity that you open yourself up to everything that's available to you in terms of lucid living. So on that note, we are going to wrap up the episode here because it's been about two hours. So I just want to remind anybody who didn't catch it at the beginning of the episode, there is a coupon code somewhere within this episode for you to get a free copy of our social anxiety workshop. Go and give it a listen. You'll find it and then you'll be able to get back to us. If you do want to uh, leave some commentary on that workshop and make a video, hashtag it Dualistic Unity, tag one of us on social media so that way we can see it and share things with other people. And who knows, we might just reach out to you for a private one-on-one -on -one talk. Never know. Aside from that, we have uh, roundtable number four coming up this week. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to our meeting date, so definitely do join us on Patreon. Uh, that is the end of my announcements for this episode. I will let Andrew wrap it up. Yeah, no, that was that was a fucking awesome episode. I, I'm pumped for that to come out tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I, I forgot to mention this at the start, but if you couldn't tell, I'm in a new studio for everyone watching on YouTube. I don't know. The sound might sound different. The microphone's a little bit different than the one I usually do. Hopefully it sounds good uh, for those that are just listening. But yeah, I'm in this uh, studio. It's like a co-working creator space in New York City that's only about a mile my apartment so a pretty easy walk uh it was created in 2018 and they have a whole podcast set up so they have like a ton of different lighting stuff a microphone that's got like the bendy arm thing that's cool this couch so um yeah i was i was pumped i i visited it today someone invited me it's like an invite only type deal uh and and it was like two hours ago or three now four and they were like, oh, yeah, we got this podcast studio. And I was just like in awe the whole time. Like, this place is so sick. Like, oh, my God. And then I kept looking at the po podcast studio. Like, I wonder how hard it's going to be to set everything up there. And then at the end, I was like, so I actually film my podcast every Monday, which is today, which is in about an hour and a half. Like, is anyone using it tonight? And they're like, no, it's all yours. I was like, hell yeah. All right. So yeah, for those curious who are watching on YouTube, that's what I'm doing here. Uh, I'm probably going to come here as often as I can for things. Um, it's a pretty cool setup. So um, anyway, yeah, that's my final little announcement. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that will wrap up this episode. Fantastic episode. Um, we do have a Q&A episode coming up. I just want to mention that quickly. So if you have questions and you would like us to answer them in that episode, contact us on Discord. There's a, a channel for podcast questions. Uh, if you're on Patreon, you can just message us directly. Uh, otherwise, you can contact us through social media and we'll try and cover all the questions that come through. That's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks here. So you do have a little bit of time. Um, all questions are, are welcome, obviously, because we love to talk about this stuff. And the last Q&A episode went for almost three hours. So by all means, you let us know what you would like us to talk about, and we are more than happy to do so. Um, I guess that's about it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And of course, we will see you next week for episode 14. All right. Bye, everyone.